Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 300 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Wow, Becky, that sounds good coming out of your mouth. 300 feels like quite the milestone. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Goodness, that means that you and I collectively have recorded over 250 plus episodes. Yeah, I've been on here since 42, I believe, was my first episode. and That's a lot of hours. It's a lot of of hours. chatting. Yep. We've come a long (laughs) way, I think, with our radio voice and our content. Um, Yes. I don't know if if Liz, your mom, is listening and we still sound like Valley Girls, but (laughs) either way, I know that our devoted listeners are, um, we are so grateful for all of you guys. Yes. (laughs) So much gratitude that we were able to achieve 300 episodes, and I know even from a couple months ago at our women's wellness retreat, that there are people in this world that have listened to all of these I know. episodes. I know. It's and amazing. So, so much. I mean, what a honor to be able to take the time once a week to just pour out our brains and our um, you know, research and concepts to help to support your household and really empower you guys with understanding how the body works what nutrients are required to optimize biochemical processes, digging into microbiome and hormones. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about kids' health and kids' digestive health to be specific. But just what an awesome accomplishment. So much love for y'all. Do we want to like do anything special for listeners of this 300th episode? We probably should. Yeah. Um, I mean, how about just a discount code on, um, I know that we're going to be talking in a moment about what's going on with the back to school timeline and discount code with the food is medicine for the whole family program. But how about just an overall discount code uh, for getting supplement savings at 15% off your order. And this will apply live from when this episode airs. For two weeks following. So those of you that subscribe and stay up to date will be the ones that will get the redemption of this. So we'll just call it 300. Um, let's call it an, uh, Podcast 300. Sounds Podcast 300. Podcast and 300. you can get 15% off your order of any supplements. Um, of course, that doesn't apply to bundles, which are already saved at 18% off. Or subscriptions, because you'll already have that saving. 10% off, yep. yes. So if you are a subscriber, you might want to hold your subscription because you'll capitalize on an additional 5% savings. We'll do 15% off any order on AllieMillerRD.com. And again, so much love and gratitude for you loyal listeners. And um, we just love this field of work. And it's just an awesome honor to share our passion with y'all. Yes. And we still somehow have things to talk about. Um, yeah. like we rarely repeat. I mean, we'll, we'll refresh some topics if there are, you know, new updates and, and yes. as, you know, science changes and whatnot. Um, but we rarely repeat <laughs> a topic. There's still stuff for us to talk about. So yes. 
here's to 300 more. I think that helps <laughs> that we're critical thinkers. Go yeah. figure the fact that science can change. Mm. I mean, that's, you mm. know, scientific discovery <laughs> requires questioning the hypothesis. It's funny. We'll, we'll uh, be talking about that in a couple weeks, but in today's episode, we're going to be covering all of kids' digestion. Yes. Um, we're going to be covering chronic constipation, diarrhea, belly aches, GERD or reflux, as well as even F pies. And before we get to updates, just a quick note for listeners of this episode. We were planning originally to do like an epic get to know the naturally nourished team episode here for 300. Um, and we already did that back in 300 so, or 200. So we yes. thought, you know, we would just keep rolling with, with surprisingly the enough and, in a hundred episodes or yep. two years, not much has changed. Not much has changed. We still We're still the same pretty favorite much the supplements, same. the yeah. same way that you guys came into the business and all of the yep. things. Yep. So you can go back and listen to episode 200 where our husbands are on as guests. And that was a fun episode. And then you'll also hear both of us talking a little bit about at the end of this episode, how we had to splice us into two. So again, come back at episode 303, where we'll be talking all about kids skin. Let's share with listeners, Becky, about our sale that we're offering for back to school support and the exciting upcoming webinar. Yes. So this episode is airing the end of July. So in August, and we'll have this ready for y'all as podcast listeners as kind of a sneak preview, um, early access, but we are running a flash sale on our food as medicine for the whole family program. Um, it's going to be $100 off, which is substantial savings. So that knocks the cost down to just $99 when you use the code back to school. And this program is five plus hours of original content. So Allie and I recorded all of these videos for you guys back in what, la early last year? Or was that? Yeah. Just, yeah. September. Okay. It launched September yeah. okay. of 21. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So still our, our newest kind of feature program. Um, it's got over a hundred plus hours of organized and curated content because we have so many podcasts and YouTube videos and yes. articles that we've done on so many topics. And we were like, we need to put this all in one place so that, you know, people know where to find it. It's indexed by topic yes. or through the life cycle. Yep. So when you're looking at this program, we provide you materials all the way from fertility and healthy pregnancy and baby led weaning into working with a taste adventurer and getting an ample protein into your toddlers and helping your children learn about bitter flavors and tasting the rainbow, as well as you in the kitchen balancing fat, acid, salt, and sweet, and how to use whole food ingredients to provide a foundation of food as medicine for the entire family. So we give you content from baby led weaning through elderly, providing content on surgical support and such and structural health and bone density and beyond. And then the practical elements of meal planning, cleaning out your pantry, navigating the grocery store, label lingo, learning about the importance of our macros. So we have an entire module on carbs, protein, and fat, and we provide you guidance based on the age and the weight of those members of your household, what would be appropriate ranges for them as far as grams. We provide you information on immune. There's an entire module on the immune system. 
And then even a module on ADHD and mood balance, which is really a broad stroke across all ages. I will also be doing a free webinar on the 17th of August. So we'll have a link for you to sign up also in today's show notes. And it's focused on back to school time. So we're going to be talking about balancing your kids' lunches, boosting their immune system, and also supporting a healthy learning environment and brain balance. So be sure to check that. That will highlight and kind of go on the heels of our food as medicine for the whole family program, which again, you can grab today using the code back to school. And that's the spelling of two. So B-A-C-K-T-O-S-C-H-O-O-L. We didn't do any fancy number two in there. Um, Back to school for $100 off food as medicine for the whole family. It is a fantastic resource and a great way to ensure that all members of your household are locked and loaded and ready for another successful year of school. Yes. All right, real quick before we get started, let's just have a word from our sponsor for this episode, Fond Bone Broth. Yes, and I always say this, I feel like, because we love Fond Bone Broth and we're constantly sipping it in our households, but this is a really timely topic and product to focus on Fond Bone Broth because again, the skin is like the window of the gut and we know that bone broth is like a facelift to the gut. So when you are getting quality, slow simmered bone broth like Fond Bone Broth provides you, you're going to get that collagen, gelatin, and L-glutamine, the amino acid that literally feeds the gut cells to help to repair your gut lining. That means less inflammatory response to foods, even reducing food sensitivity and allergy, as well as supporting a robust immune response. So fond bone broth would be a great thing to get into your whole household as we're getting into this back to school mode. Um, And we really love them because of both the complexity and beautiful synergy of their flavors, as well as the fact that these ingredients come together to really optimize absorption of nutrients, as well as elevate the food as medicine experience. Um, We know that fond bone broth, because of the robust flavor profiles that they provide, really can also serve as like a sous chef in a jar. So I've been really digging on the Nopalito broth, which has the habanero and the cactus and the cilantro in there. Um, Even in a hot summer day in July, I can still sip on this one and be ready for a light Tex-Mex salad following it. Um, The spring clean is also fabulous with the lemon and radish in there. I've been liking the cantonada as well, which has the black radish and um, the garlic in there, a really good one to get a good immune boost and some oregano in there. So that's the one that's kind of focused on combating yeast or candida in the body. And we love the integrity of this brand. They slow simmer. It is lovingly tended from simmer to seal in these beautiful glass jars. They use stainless steel vats in the cooking process, well water that's tested daily for minerals and excellence. And then they pair with sustainable organic farms, use cage-free pasture-raised proteins and grass-fed beef. And we just couldn't love on them more. So go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. Also use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. Again, that's fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. And when you use AllieMillerRD as a coupon code, you will save on that order. All right. And I'm sure we're going to cover bone broth popsicles and remind y'all of, of how to use bone broth in that application for the kiddos um, within yes. today's topics. So, Absolutely. Um, so just to kick things off, I think we should just first give a little bit of background discussion on how digestion and skin health are related. And I will link for y'all, we've done um, two episodes ourselves on on skin health, and then we did have one with um, Ashley Terry from Grace Holistic Skin 
as well. And I'll link all of those because a lot of that still does apply. But how does what's going on in the gut end up reflecting on the skin? Well, again, as I mentioned, we think of the skin as really a window or a reflection of what's going on in the gut. Uh, When we have leaky gut or dysbiosis or bacterial imbalance in the gut, um, we're not going to have as nice of tight junctions along our microvilli or those finger-like projections that help to scoot food particles along the gut-blood barrier. So when we have damage or dysbiosis in the gut, the gut permeability increases, meaning larger particles get into the bloodstream than is desired, and this can drive an inflammatory response This can influence toxicity in the body, and we can also see more nutrient deficiency, especially if the gut is sterilized or we are dealing with, which would be maybe following antibiotic use, because we know that probiotics actually play a role in producing and assimilating nutrients. So they play a role with the absorption as well as the production of nutrients. And then we also know that this can come to light for more extreme or severe nutrient deficiency in our picky eaters. Um, So we really really look at working on good gut lining health, ensuring that the gut is in a symbiotic state of balanced gut flora, and then that we're harnessing with the featured nutrients that play a role on our barriers or basically our cell walls to ensure that we have good cellular integrity, which plays a role with our structural health. Um, and we see that through the skin. All right, so when we did our episode just a few back, back in 286 on um, all things digestive health Q&A, we actually had a bunch of questions specifically about kids' digestion in there, so that's a good one that I will link as well. Um, But I want to hit on some of the stuff we didn't get to in that episode um, and maybe start with... um, just kind of general belly ache complaints in kids. And and I think it might be important to discern here like infants and colic and kind of early digestive complaints. And then maybe for older kids who are complaining of a stomach ache, you know, after a meal. Sure. So when we're thinking of colic, uh, we tend to attribute this to just an immature digestive tract or the fact that baby's digestive tract has not been primed with ample microbial balance or good gut flora. Again, that plays a role with the breakdown of even the proteins that are contained in breast milk. Um, so we think of gut health right away off the bat with colic. We think of um, you know also positioning with baby and how we're working with burping and alleviating gas mm-hmm. because because they don't have as many digestive enzymes right away. We have to mechanically help them digest. And I mean, I know that a good burp does numbers for how deep and qualitative a baby sleeps and thinking of positioning and types of ways that we're holding or carrying our babe it plays a big role as far as keeping their digestive tract in alignment working with gravity so that they're actually upright versus going right away lateral or side Mm -hmm. held Um, that's why we usually burp them upright of course Um, We think of sensitivities to mama's diet, and especially with colic, we think of like the brassica family. So a lot of the um, gaseous foods, so cruciferous compounds. Um, And then we think of actual food sensitivity or potential food allergy. So often we're thinking of eliminating dairy, gluten, eggs, uh, maybe even removing more of those IgE foods like shellfish and um, nuts. Citrus can be one, caffeine, and spicy foods. And then we think of kind of watching in an elimination diet mode as we remove these foods, how baby responds, and then trying to strategically bring back in as we watch baby with 
response in digestive health. Yes. And and if you were doing that elimination diet, you also would want to pump any breast milk that you had, you know, uh, or sorry, hold any breast milk that you had pumped from prior to eliminating those foods, knowing that there's about a two week buffer to kind of get that stuff cleared from your system that you're not passing it on to baby. Yeah. And you might just mark your bags because again, baby that not, I would not dump the milk. No, no, no. (laughs) To be clear. Don't do that. So just mark your bags and like maybe note what was in the diet at that time if you're doing a progressive elimination diet. And then that way, again, as baby's digestive system is more primed and advanced, likely baby can tolerate that as they become less symptomatic. Um, I also often will recommend that a mama right off the bat, even before she starts eliminating foods, brings in our digest aid. Yes. This is a great way to ensure that mom is breaking down and digesting the food so that she's passing smaller particles into her bloodstream, which when her lymphatic system is in that production pathway of making breast milk, we're not going to get as much of an inflammatory response. And so that's a huge piece of the puzzle, getting digest aid enzyme in mama. And she can have, you know, four to six digest aids daily. And that's a really great way to offset colic without having to then restrict calories yep. and get into a, a very stressful elimination. Um, I usually start though first with just dairy and gluten. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, eggs would be like a third one and then you kind of go and cross from there. Right. Um, but dairy and gluten usually and those goitrogen cruciferous vegetables yeah. will be yeah, the yeah. big ones to do the trick. And I'm also a huge proponent of even though baby is getting probacteria from the breast milk, because of course it's not pasteurized, breast milk is providing some digestive enzyme and some proflora or good gut bacteria, some probiotic. I'm still a big proponent of making sure that baby's also on a probiotic. Um, and so we will link one that is a liquid form for infants through Metagenics, um, their baby probiotic. I'll link that on my Amazon store. And then you can even, as we see with skin sensitivities and babies um, advancing, we can start to open capsules of probiotic, um, the Restore Baseline Probiotic or the Rebuild Spectrum. And the Rebuild Spectrum can be put into bottles of pumped milk. um, And that's one that can be delivered to baby. um, So you could distribute a single Rebuild Spectrum into three or four bottles. So they're getting about a quarter or a third capsule. And that's a huge one, especially when we see fungal ties. So if mom's dealing with mess and or baby has cradle cap or oral thrush or signs of some serious skin conditions like eczema, that's when we'd really want to bring in a more heavier targeted probiotic support. And that's where I'd go for that rebuild spectrum, which has some of those antifungal, antibacterial, antiparasitic effects to balance out potential dysbiosis. Yes. And then I would note a couple other things that we found helpful. Noah didn't have colic per se, but occasional digestive, um, you know, disturbances. I think broccoli was like the biggest one for him that I was like, I cannot eat that or he will not sleep. Um, chiropractic care can actually be really helpful in that time if if kiddos are dealing with reflux, constipation, mm-hmm. you know, any digestive complaints. That can be very, very helpful. Um, and then using, it's called gripe water. Um, it's a combination of like fennel, ginger, chamomile and other kind of calmative herbs that are safe for baby in low doses. Um, And you can just give them a couple of drops orally if they are having digestive issues. Okay. I'll I'll link the one we used. Yeah. We had Stella on the um, baby probiotic right in the Mm -hmm. hospital. And um, we were just really mindful of absolutely not laying her down until she got a good old burp. And um, also bicycle legs, bicycle legs, bicycle yeah, legs yeah, to yeah. help to move that gas through the body. So Perfect. positioning would be really important as well. Yep. Um, let's talk just older kids and they're, you know, having a meal and then they say, my belly hurts. What's going on there? Yes. 
So we often will look at, again, starting with good gut flora and digestive enzymes. And that tends to be way easier than going down the path of an elimination diet. Doesn't mean that you don't have to, but start with something that is going to be an easy application. So putting digestate into a bite of food will be best. So this could be like applesauce or maybe it's a dairy-free yogurt if we are removing dairy as one of the primary culprits. Um, and then I think of ensuring that this child is taking our kids biotic, which you can start as early as the child can really chew with great success. So starting at age one, really, you can kind of break up into smaller pieces the tablet. And um, then by the time they're two, you really want to be getting at least a tablet daily. And by the time they're age four, two tablets of the kid's biotic. Um, but if a child is at age three and up and they're having some more significant digestive disturbances, this would be a time to ramp them up to a capsule. And that's where I'd go for that uh, baseline restore uh, probiotic, the restore baseline in our line, which is that lacto and bifido. Um, again, if they don't have the dermatitis, I'd probably just start with the restore mm -hmm. baseline versus that rebuild spectrum. Sure. Yep. Yep. And um, I would start there. And then I'd maybe even bring in our GI lining support, um, which is a fabulous tool, especially if dealing with diarrhea, loose stool, or irritation in the gut, like cramping and pain, um, to help to calm down. And, and in a, a child also that's dealing with reflux or heartburn, that's going to be very soothing along the gastrointestinal tract and will help to offset pain. And then when we're looking for what's the irritant, um, you know, I'm a big proponent, as you all know, because of the synthetic folic acid that's in grain foods of keeping our children cereal-free, grain-free, refined food-free, and, and following more of a paleo approach. And so that right away is going to remove gluten and dairy and corn and soy, yep. um, which are the common culprits. So as you're following our food as medicine for the whole family approach to eating, I think that that really does away with a lot of digestive considerations as well as skin concerns. And then if you're already doing that and you've been on a tight diet of this protocol for six weeks and you've played with some of these supplements of need, then you might want to take it next level to look at the MRT blood test to learn more about specific food sensitivities in your child. Yes, I think that's a, a really good point. It's a layering effect. You don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to run out and get the expensive, you know, food sensitivity panel right away. But if this is a chronic issue and you've tried all of the things, then maybe that's, you know, the next step. And that blood test can be done, you know, as early as you feel comfortable drawing blood from, yeah. from your baby. I've done um, it at 18 months. Yep, yep. And I will say though, again, why consider doing an expensive $400 plus panel if you are still knowing that your child is eating gluten? Right food coloring, corn, yep. soy, and dairy, um, you really have to make sure that there's members of your household and or childcare or in-laws or whoever is engaging with your child on board with their clean eating approach because you're not going to have good outcomes once you see things like, you know, black pepper and garlic and sure. these ingredients that are almost everywhere in even a clean eating diet if you can't follow the general staples of an elimination. Yep. Um, and then there's a lot of overlap here, I think. But what about um, GERD and, and reflux in kiddos? So, you know, I already mentioned that the GI lining support would mm -hmm. be my primary yeah. go-to yeah, yeah. tool here. And I just want to kind of harp on how... I believe inappropriate it is that very early on, even in infancy, mm -hmm. often doctors are leaning on acid suppressing drugs. And, you know, this can be really concerning because this can either leave a more severe digestive 
issue undiagnosed, like FPIs, which we'll get there in a moment. Um, or we also can suppress, of course, their stomach acidity, interfere with their nutrient absorption, and prime their body for dysbiosis because they need that chemical acidity to actually combat foodborne illness or um, concerns of gut pathogen or yeast overgrowth in the body. Yeah, it's so wild when I was doing rotations in the NICU and, and PICU, the pediatric ICU, how many babies that were on, you know, they, they might've been on a tube feeder, they might've been on a formula diet. And then the PPI is almost always, you know, it goes Pushed, hand in mm-hmm. hand yep. along with that. And it may just be that their formula is not agreeing with them and, and right. we need to do some troubleshooting, you know, there, or maybe they're not getting that good burp because they're not getting, you know, as much one-on-one attention. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, with children as they're older and have more autonomy, we still think of the positioning. And so we want them not laying down after eating and making sure that they do some good stretching and that chiropractic care of all ages can yeah. be appropriate there if, if their digestive tract is out of alignment. And they're not getting good nerve impulses to their enteric nervous system. This could create stagnation. Um, so I think that's really important. Maybe going for a walk with your children after dinner sure, is a great yeah. technique as well. Um, and then beyond the GI lining support, again, I would also in this population be working with that digest aid because priming them actually, instead of suppressing them, priming them with that hydrochloric acid, that HCL priming them with that ox bile that's in the formula and then all of the chemical compounds to break down their foods means less dyspepsia, less um, of that mechanical pumping to make up for what they might be enzymatically lacking. And likely they will have better uh, closing of the esophageal sphincter when their digestive enzyme uh, balance is optimized. So when you get that good acidity, that actually gives good feedback to close that sphincter so that there's less regurge versus buffering, which can maintain that dilation. Sure. Um, And let's hit on some food as medicine too. Um, Here I know that ginger is frequently used in, in digestive concerns kind of across the board, but has been shown to be helpful um, for GERD in particular, um, fennel and licorice tea could be used in older children, you know, in, in small amounts, um, or even catnip tea sometimes. And then even like bitter herbs or getting them going, you know, not for only digestive on the, juices, yeah, mm-hmm. not only on the, the digestive, but you know, maybe trying some apple cider vinegar as, um, maybe a quarter teaspoon mm-hmm. versus like, you know, a full teaspoon or, or more, but kind of revving those digestive juices up. Yes. I think ginger is the easiest one to get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that you can get them to do, uh, we have a really great ginger molasses cookie actually that's grain oh, free. And yeah. um, we typically think of it like around the holidays, but that's a really pretty potent amount of ginger in it there. Is, it and is. And it can prime their palate. Um, you might even play with reducing the, there's an option of whether or not you roll it in sugar to make mm-hmm. it look like more of a you know ginger snap. But I would omit that sugar, keep it a little bit more shortbread like, um, but that would be a fabulous delivery. And then using ginger in smoothies would be fantastic as well. Stella's a big fan of my kind of classic green keto mango smoothie with the coconut milk. Um, and that's a great way to get that ginger in. And then you can start to do like ginger shooters and sure. such as their yeah, palate yeah. is more open and on board. And that's probably going to be easier than bitters, but you can yes. try it all. <laughs> um, and then I do want to note the importance of the connection of melatonin. So we did an entire episode on GERD or heartburn. And um, I think we also, did we do a YouTube on heartburn yet specifically? I think we did. I believe we did. I think we did. We'll try linking it. I'm sure it's somewhere. Um, But there is a lot of research that supports the impact on melatonin. And melatonin, when deficient or inadequate in the body, um, will then interfere with the way that that esophageal sphincter closes. 
Um, so there's that um, valve influence on melatonin and also melatonin is linked to gut motility. And that may be due to the connection of the serotonin melatonin connection and knowing that serotonin requires good robust flora to be produced. You know, 80% of that serotonin is manufactured in the gut when we have good gut flora. So that takes us to another area of focus, which would be again, re-harping on the probiotics. Um, we'll link a study, it was a systematic review on gastroesophageal reflux disease and probiotics. And they found in uh, randomized clinical trials that five out of 11 positive outcomes, about 45% noted benefits on reflux symptoms, Three of the studies noted re reduced regurgitation and improvements in reflux or heartburn. And then we saw that five of the studies, again, 45% of those that were assessed, um, saw improvements in dyspepsia. Nine or 81% of the studies saw improvements in other upper gastrointestinal symptoms, including nausea, abdominal pain, and gas-related symptoms, as well as belching, gurgling, and burping. So the conclusions of this uh, data was that probiotic use can be beneficial for GERD symptoms, um, and we can see clinical outcomes in a broad spectrum from regurgitation all the way through heartburn. Yes. Okay, so a lot there to cover, and, and I think when we are dealing with GERD or reflux, we do need to talk about, you know, there's potential for nutrient deficiency, especially if this kiddo is not making enough, you know, stomach acid on their own. And if you're listening to this and you've had your child on a PPI yes, and, and, yeah. and we're looking at, you know, or yourself, you know, we know especially mineral deficiency, we can see with PPI use or inadequate stomach acidity. So whether it's based on your physiological and anatomical influence or whether it's been medication induced, we worry about zinc, iron, calcium, and magnesium, as well as B vitamins and we really know that b12 can be a big area of focus and that can drive neuropathy issues as well as anemia in this population and anemia can be quite severe because you get double hit with both the b12 and the iron so both we're looking at that microcytic and macrocytic impact of red blood cell formation so i would say ensuring that your child is getting a quality multi like our multi-avail kids in addition to that kids biotic is a great foundation and then making sure when we're looking at these foods that they're getting a robust amount of protein. Um, we know that protein, especially red meats, would be a great source for that zinc and iron. Um, when we think of calcium, if they are tolerating dairy, that would be a great food to get in. And maybe a probiotic-rich yogurt would be a good thing in rotation at the breakfast table. Otherwise, using like bone-in fish, like a salmon salad, would be a great tool here. Um, and then looking at our leafy greens for our magnesium and the B vitamins, we're going to get also in any of those animal products. So getting their minimum protein needs could be a great way to get um, good nutrient density. Yes. All right. Next up, I want to hit on chronic constipation in children, which is all too common and all too often, you know, parents are being told, oh, your kid just has to start Miralax and, you know, they'll be on it indefinitely because that's what Miralax does. It creates dependency and right. then some. Right. And some psychosis, yes. which is very yep. concerning. Yep. And we'll talk about in a moment. Um, so, you know, for children, we generally want to see at least one bowel movement daily or even a bowel movement following each meal. Um, and so just depending on that child's motility, as long as they're having alleviation regularly, meaning minimum daily, we should be in good shape. We also look at the shape and um, speaking of good shape, the shape and the form of the stool. And I know we have an episode all about perfecting your poop. Um, and that's a YouTube video. And I, did we do also, or was that our Q&A and digestion? We talked about poop color. Both. And, 
Um, I think we've, we've got, got perfecting both. your poop like back. It's in the hundreds. I'll mm-hmm. I'll link it. Um, and then the YouTube came out like way later. Yes. Look at us. We've got resources in, for all of this. In the YouTube, uh, we do hit on the dangers of Miralax as well. Um, and so again, Miralax itself is hyperosmotic. And so it's bringing water into the colon. Um, but the ingredient in there that's concerning is a PEG. Um, and this compound actually has been shown to have scary effects like behavioral issues, speech problems, anxiety, and depression. And Miralax technically is only FDA approved for ages 17 and over, but all too often we see pediatricians prescribing it to children mm-hmm. or because it's over the counter, parents just grabbing right. it off the shelf and giving it to their children. Um, however, the FDA um, provided a grant to the Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania to look at 167 cases of adverse side effects in children who took this laxative product. And um, of that population, 37 of them, that's quite a remarkable amount, um, displayed neurological or psychiatric symptoms. And so there is now disclosure that Miralax powder also contains small amounts of the same toxic ingredients found in antifreeze. Um, And this neurological effect is, of course, the most concerning. Secondary effect that's very concerning is dependency. Sure. So when we're talking about bowel motility, one of the first things that comes to mind is, is your child hydrated enough? And I think that this is a great change that has occurred in the last five years, if not maybe 10 years, but really the last five years markedly, where now kids are bringing a water bottle to school. Right. Like, I never had a water bottle at school. I don't think we were allowed to. I think we were chronically dehydrated as children in our era. You just to go to the the water fountain like once a day or something. Like for a sip and they'd count to three or something. Yeah, they counted and then you'd have to go back to line. Uh So, you know, I think that's one way that, you know, helping your child to always have their water bottle and keep focusing on hydration. Like Stella fills up her water bottle three times a day. And what are those size of those Yeti water bottles? Like 20 fluid ounces, I believe. I believe 20. So she's getting a good solid 60 fluid ounces a day of water. And we think of fluid as being a huge mover dehydration the number one cause factor of constipation um so then we next come to fiber so getting a good amount of whole food ingredients like nut butters leafy greens broccoli cucumber again you'll learn in our food is medicine for the whole family program the importance of balanced meals and working with your child to be a taste adventurer as well as motivating them to be on board with eating the foods that you pack because how frustrating is it mothers when you send that perfect lunch to school (laughs) and three of the four components Apartments of your bento box are returning to you and you're wasting your money on your organic carrots or your cucumber or whatnot. So it's really important that you get your child on board with eating the vegetable that you're putting in their lunch and giving them the autonomy or choice of, would you like red bell pepper slice or carrots today? And then talking about how many pieces are expected to be consumed, um, as well as the importance of talking about balancing carbs with proteins and fats, because that's a great way to harness your gut bacteria so we're not getting dynamic blood sugar spikes and crashes and we know that when we're in this hyper insulin response and blood sugar dysregulation not only does that drive issues with concentration and focus and behavior but it also can set up for dysbiosis in the gut so really focusing on balancing out that protein as well anytime we're having a carb 
Um, working with your child in stress. We know stress and anxiety can play a big role. Um, actually also working mechanically to like do circles on the belly or back mm-hmm. and even bicycle legs at this age, um, you know, all the way up through teens, even through adulthood. You know, sure. we talk about when we do deep stretches, you always want to grab your right leg to your chest first because that's going to be your ascending colon line and then follow with your left leg up to your chest, your knee to your chest because that's going to open then that descending colon um, and doing stretching and twists and movements in the abdominal space is a really great way to activate bowel tone and support that motility. And then we then would go forward to looking at food intolerance and an inflammatory food and trying to play with some strategy of diet changes, first eliminating those common foods of constipation, which again would be the refined grain foods as well as dairy as a big one to watch. And then, you know, we really want to support them with those enzymes. Um, And I would go for relax and regulate in addition to the probiotics in this world the relax and regulate is going to be a fantastic form with that magnesium bisglycinate will not drive dependency will get into that neuromuscular system to aid with bowel motility and regularity versus just that osmotic effect like we get from Miralax as well as even the -the over-the-counter forms of magnesium like magnesium oxide and citrate yep um, and then I might add on phytofiber is a good supplement that really we could start, you know, as soon as kids are doing shakes or, or smoothies, if they're struggling with constipation, I think that could be added in nicely. Absolutely. Um, so you're getting all those food-based yep. compounds of fiber and that could be mixed into like nut butter balls yep. or into a smoothie. Totally. totally. And we want to make sure that, you know, hydration follows that fiber so that it's not a brick that just kind of sits in the belly. Um, I also think our, our coconut oil prune puree or we have a version with prunes and a version with apricots Mm -hmm. on the um the blog um that could be a fantastic tool and so that's made into kind of a thick puree that can be either eaten just you know off of a spoon or you can mix it with warm water because that will help to also soften the stool and and kind of sipped on as as a lukewarm tea probably for mm-hmm. I think on the spoon is the most yeah. popular yeah, yeah. for kids and they tend to love it and that's one that is very successful um, especially when paired again with taking the relax and regulate the phytofiber and the kids biotic that's kind of the trifecta in the world of the bowel regulation with constipation. And just to note on the stress situation, if you notice that this transition has occurred during a time of stress, like maybe you've moved or there's changes going on in the household or your child is um, stressed out about academic performance and exams coming up, this could be a really great time to bring in GABACOM. Um, GABACOM is going to provide that neuroinhibitory mellowing out compound in the brain, which will aid with deep relaxation as well as focus. So it's not sedative. It's going to allow the child to still focus and um, actually can aid in academic performance, but it will take off that fight or flight surge so that their body feels safe. And that means less clenching in the intestines, which aids with that bowel motility. And then I would add, you mentioned some kind of massage and and movement, and and this could be two part to kind of get things moving and um, also to reduce stress, like doing some topical magnesium oil at night can be really nice and and that can be kind of rubbed on the belly in a circular motion um we can also do castor oil that Love same that. way mm-hmm. which we talked about in our lymphatic episode was that yep. yeah uh the the episode all about um lymph and and how to move lymphs so that'd be a good one to kind of listen to that part about um we talked about castor oil packs and you know just doing a little bit topically for kids i think could work nicely yes Okay, um, so this doesn't seem related to digestion per se, but 
I don't believe we have to date talked about bedwetting um, on the podcast. And actually, in a lot of cases, there often is a digestive link. So let's cover that one. Yes. So bedwetting is actually more common than often discussed, I guess. Um, We can see upwards of 12 to 25% of four-year-olds waking up with a wet bed on occasion. And then we can see 7 to 10% of eight-year-olds and then even 2 to 3% of 12-year-olds. So I've worked with some clients that, you know, their, their child is concerned about sleepover time and whatnot. And they're having these what seemingly are irregular but quite frequent bedwetting episodes. And the number one question I'm always asking is, is your child constipated? Mm. Are they moving their bowels? Because the bowels and the bladder are very close. And so when we're in a deep level of sleep, often that compression can drive bedwetting and can seem to be kind of an irregular influence. But once those bowels are alleviated, there's a lot more space and um, often that can be resolved. Okay. And so same, um, same interventions apply there and, and really starting with probiotics, I think is, is a good place to start. Um, I would say a probiotic challenge could be appropriate, especially into like, you know, early teens and, yeah. and maybe See, even that younger improve than that. Yeah. The motility and the volume or formation of the stool. Absolutely. So if you do know that your child is having good bowel motility and bowel alleviation or good emptying, you might want to then step up next level to look at their neurological health and neurotransmitters. You also might want to look at specific food allergy response. In fact, we have seen some studies that look at IgE response. Um, Particularly, we saw soybean and hazelnut as in a group of individuals. They were um, kids that were looked at that were dealing with nocturnal uresis and allergy. And they saw that those compounds, soybean and hazelnut, had a strong Um, impact on the evening urination. So could look at an inflammatory food response and wouldn't hurt to eliminate those two foods for at least a six-week wash window and see how things look. Yep. Um, Okay. So let's hit now the opposite end of the spectrum from constipation. Um, What about diarrhea in infants and kids? So usually we think of a gut bug as the first thing. So we think of infection, if you will. Um, But if it's going on chronically, and so with an infection, I guess the first thing that we would go to is really doubling or tripling the child's probiotic. So if they are doing the kid's biotic and they're chewing two, they would be chewing six on that day of that time. Or you might add in a capsule of the Rebuild Spectrum. Um, That's what we do in our household. And um, that's one way to get that, again, broad um, bacterial balance and some of the compounds that can actually fight against a gut bug, if you will. Um, We also look at irritation to the lining of the intestines and leaky gut, especially if the individual has more chronic or regular digestive disturbances and diarrhea because something is going through their gut blood barrier and they're responding with osmosis or a fluid flushing and that can create that urgency or that intestinal irritation. So this is an individual where I'd probably prioritize even earlier than constipation looking at that MRT test if it seems to be frequent or happening, you know, multiple times in a month and doesn't really seem cyclical or infection oriented. You still could up your probiotic and do a probiotic challenge in this world because maybe that child just needs a more robust dosage. So maybe this four or six year old needs a restore baseline probiotic capsule opened up into a bite of food instead of the 5 billion CFUs they get in the kid's biotic. And that could be appropriate as one way to supporting. Um, We also would look at in these individuals ensuring that they are getting a 
ample fiber so that phytofiber can also work as a binder beyond a broom. Um, and that would be a great way to approach things to help with bowel formation. Um, we think about uh, making sure that they're getting good electrolyte restability. So you could make that electrolyte limeade, um, ensuring that you're cooking with salt. Um, the electrolyte limeade was in a YouTube video that we will link, um, but providing them enough salt um, for sure. And you could use a dilution of apple juice. In fact, mm -hmm. that has been shown to be superior in research studies over Pedialyte. We featured that study when we talked about the immune module of our food as medicine for the whole family video. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that could be appropriate, but along that vein, you want to watch out for excessive fructose and fruit sugars because excessive fruit consumption can often drive diarrhea as can refined sugar. We get some of that kind of dumping effect where we can get more of that bowel urgency and um, too rapid of motility. Yep. And, and I would add the bone broth popsicles in here. I think that's a really good kind of timestamp, especially if it is, you know, a stomach bug that they're recovering from, just a really good way to deliver, you know, some gut supporting nutrient um, and hydration. Because hydration is the really big thing that you want to watch if it is yes. just a 24 hour, 48 hour kind of bug and, and we're going to let it pass versus it's a chronic, you know, like you said, a reoccurring couple times a month, um, really watching their hydration status. So I think doing um, the mango um, bone broth popsicles would be really yummy. Or we have one actually that's made with apple juice that was more intended for like diarrhea, you know, replenishment. Yep. And there's a pinch of Redmond real salt in there and yeah. No, Noah ate them. They, Bone were, broth. they were tested. Yeah. Um, he liked them. I think that's great. So I would lean in the diarrhea world more with GI lining support mm -hmm. um, because again, you're trying to calm down and coat the gut then whereas the relax and regulate would be more of the driver with constipation to just note. And then um, we do see ginger as being a good tool in both worlds of constipation and diarrhea. In fact, there was a study that looked at hypersensitivity of diarrhea prominent IBS um, by inhibiting the inflammatory response in the body. And so they looked at the ability of ginger to actually inhibit the expression of tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-6, and various other pro-inflammatory factors and saw clinical efficacy of ginger. So again, it sounds like another good reason to play with ginger as a soother. And you could even cold brew ginger tea and mm -hmm. that could be sipped on with apple juice. Sure. You know, that'd yeah, be yeah. a good dilution ratio that I think would work really beautiful. Yep. Um, all right, last uh, digestive concern um, before we're, I think we're going to recap and make this a two-part episode because <laughs> yes, we'll do a whole another episode is on skin. Its own Sorry, thing, we isn't teed it, it up, guys. <laughs> um, yes, so let's talk about F pies because I'm going to yes. teed that up. So this is a little bit more rare, but again, this can be overlooked if you're right away running for that PPI or Imodium and really putting that Band-Aid on the symptoms and not resolving. So when we're working with functional nutrients of targeted support, we're giving the body what it needs and knows what to do with and understands. And then if that doesn't resolve, then we need to look deeper into the why something's happening in the body. So FPI stands for Food Protein Induced Enterocolitis Syndrome, and this affects the entire gastrointestinal tract. It's a family of GI conditions that's caused by non-IgE allergic reactions to food proteins. So this individual may have done some IgE food um, allergy testing and they may have not seen anything significant, but we can still be dealing with this FPIs effect. So there can be acute and chronic types Often, this is going to be diagnosed early in infancy because we tend to see cyclical vomiting. 
um, as well as chronic diarrhea. And you can even see blood or mucus present in that loose stool. And that would be, again, chronic. So you're not seeing a formed stool and you've already tried the probiotics and you've been playing with the enzymes and now you need to kind of look a little bit deeper. Usually it's early on with the proteins in either cow's milk or soy formulas that would exacerbate this. And I see this in a lot of formula babies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then rice, um, which is, again, one of the more common first foods is a huge triggering food. So if baby was exclusively breastfed, but then was all of a sudden transitioned to rice cereal and oat cereal, those are two main common offenders that we see um, that can really kick up an FPI response. So we see rice, oats, sweet potato, banana, even avocado is in this family, as well as peas, green beans, and then some protein foods, chicken, turkey, and eggs. Yeah, and a lot of those were like Noah's first foods, like you're saying. So this would be brought on probably around that, you know, solid food introduction. Around seven months or so. Yep. And um, we can see with chronic, we can see again, chronic watery diarrhea, vomiting, bloating abdomen, uh, difficulty with weight gain. um, And then we can see dehydration or other metabolic disturbances, especially if there's chronic diarrhea and vomiting. And um, generally we should see resolution when we remove these triggering foods. Um, And then you kind of work to, again, reset the body. We work a lot with the GI lining support Mm -hmm. powder in this population. Um, And then we would try to slowly reintroduce these. But um, with an acute flare, um, we can see this cyclical repeating vomiting um, that can occur. And then this can drive lethargy, pale skin, and then even even hemodynamic instability and shock um, if there's really remarkable imbalance in their uh, vasovagal system. Yeah, so a little bit scarier than just a food sensitive sensitivity um and so you said the gi lining would be kind of a big yes as well as digestate for sure and then we would layer on even the sbi protect which is going to provide immunoglobulins um and then we would also look at providing of course a multivitamin to make up for Mm -hmm. the loss of nutrients Um, I would definitely run the MRT test in this population because you're really looking at pulling out any other inflammatory drivers beyond following this FPI's diet protocol. Okay, got it. Um, So that is all we've got time for today. Um, But um, next time we will be covering all of the skin conditions that I mentioned um, in the beginning of this episode. So from eczema to rashes to hives to that keratosis pilaris and more will connect it all back to the gut and um, also give you some solutions in terms of supplements and topicals and all of the things. Yes. And that will not be coming next week. It'll be coming in a couple weeks. Yes, so stay tuned. hold your horses, uh, but definitely go on over and uh, check out AllieMillerRD.com, the resource for food as medicine for the whole family. Again, you can use the code back to school to save a hundred dollars getting this comprehensive program for just $99 and a great way to dive in if you're feeling overwhelmed. Again, a lot of these foundational uh, compounds are going to overlap. And so when you set food as medicine as a foundation in your household, you can not only alleviate and treat some of these conditions, but you can also prevent them from occurring in the first place, which alleviates stress, keeps everyone mellow, happy, and nourished. So we really hope that you'll take advantage of the savings. Go on over to AllieMillerRD.com, grab you a spot in our food is medicine for the whole family. You can use this program evergreen, watch it, rewatch it, five plus hours of unique content and use the code back to school to save. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food is medicine meal plans. 
connect with Allie and Becky at Allie Miller RD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.